All right. Good morning. Good morning, Westlake. Good morning, Peninsula Hope. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are in the last part of our series called Acts on the Road Again, and we're calling it On the Road Again because, and if you've been here, you already know what I'm going to say, it's because Paul went on his first trip around Asia Minor to talk to people about Jesus, and now he made a second round, and he's coming to the end of this one. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but the first trip was about 12 to 1,300 miles on foot and sometimes on a boat, but he's traveled pretty far. This time around, he's doubled it, more than doubled it. He's probably traveled about 2,800 miles. So uh, it's been a long journey. It feels like it, right? But um, so we're going to jump right in because I want to start off by asking a question that I, I like to ask. A lot. I, I bring it up a lot, and I often say this. I say that Jesus loves you so much that, he keep, that he'll accept you for who you are, whoever you are, the way that you are, but because he loves you so much, he doesn't want to keep you the way you are, that he's about transformation. And so the question that I have for you this morning is this, has God been transforming you? And in order to know if God has been transforming you or not, what you have to do is you have to find a point in your history, like maybe when you started your job, and now it's been like three years later, and you look back and say, am I the same person that I am now? Like the person that I was three years ago when I started that job, Am I that same person right now? And if you are not the same person, you have to ask your second follow-up question, which is, am I a better person now or am I a worse person now? Am I more bitter or am I a little more, a little more pleasant to be around? You know, um, am I dressing nicer? Am I, you know, do I look older? Like, do I look, am I wiser? Do I know a few more things in life? Like, you have to pick a point in your, you know, like a very definitive moment in your life and then compare yourself to that and you ask the question, has God been transforming me? Are you becoming more like Jesus? And by being like Jesus, Paul, in one of his letters that he wrote, he gives us a list of what that looks like. He says it looks like love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, um, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you have more self-control in your life? And if you do see those fruits in your life developing, then God has been transforming you for the better. And if not, then maybe the experiences in your life have made you more callous, and maybe it's made you a little more bitter, made you less loving, you have less joy in your life, you don't feel the peace that you, you, you thought you would have by now, right? So it's good to evaluate yourself every once in a while. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Paul's life. Since we're coming to the end of Paul's journey, 2,800 miles later, we're coming to the end of that journey, we have to ask, is Paul the same person he was when he started the journey to when he finally finished his journey? Right? And that journey took several years, probably about three years. So let's see if he's changed or not. And, but before we do that, we're going to read the last section of his journey, and then we'll, we'll talk about his, the bigger picture. Okay? So last time, if you remember, Paul was in Corinth. He stayed there for a year and a half. And then let's continue. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. If you remember, he met these two guys. Uh, they're a couple. They're a married couple. They were um, fellow tent makers with Paul, and they stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, and he's like, now it's my time to leave. But before he sailed, he had his hair cut off. He got a haircut. Awesome. At Century, because of a vow he had taken. And in Jewish culture, people took vows, like when God promised you something, sometimes they stopped cutting their hair. And like in this case, God said, no one's going to attack you while you're here in, in Corinth. And now that he's leaving Corinth, he feels like, okay, God fulfilled his promise. We, we, we shave it all off, and he's on his way. Next. 
<clears throat> they arrived at Ephesus. So now he's going to a new place. You have to take the boat to get there. Where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with him, uh, with, with the Jews. Then, when they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. People at Ephesus liked him. Paul, can you stay a few more days, a few more weeks, a few more years? <laughs> he's like, sorry, I can't do that. But before he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. So I don't know if you can imagine the map in your head. We'll go over the map in a few minutes. He's heading west right now. Then, when he landed in Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. And that's where he started. That concludes his $2,800 mile trip. And that's the end of his second missionary journey. Now, in case this is your first time with us or you missed a few Sundays when we're talking about the second second missionary journey, I want to give you an overview of what's, what's been going on with my favorite map. So let's take a look at the map. So this right here is Europe, Africa, okay? And over here is Antioch. This is where the journey starts. Israel's right here. You see these little lakes right here? This is where it starts. And so the first church was popped up in Jerusalem down here in Israel. And it, it makes sense because Christianity is an offshoot of Judaism. So it starts right here. Okay, but Antioch is the first model church, meaning what the church was meant to be. And the reason it was different from the one down there is because this one was multicultural, multiracial. There were leadership people who were women and men, and it was just a mix of everything. And that was groundbreaking that, back then. And as a matter of fact, it might be groundbreaking even today for some churches, right? But um, this is where the trip started, okay? And when he left here, Paul, well, when he, be, oh, here we go. Paul began his journey as a Jew for the Jews. Paul is a Jewish person, right? And he was actually a Jewish religious leader. And he thought his calling was to go around to the other Jewish synagogues around the world and share with them about Jesus and that there's a new way of connecting with God. Meaning, up until then, they believed that the way they connected with God was by following all the small rules in the Bible. And he's like, guys, we don't have to do that anymore. The way we're going to connect with God is through Jesus, and it's the way that we connect through Jesus is by becoming more and more like him. God's going to transform us from the inside out. And we're going to be more like Jesus. And as we do that, we are connecting with God. We no longer have to follow the Old Testament rules. That, that was his message. So he was a super high-ranking Jewish authority who was called to go and reach out to other Jewish people in the world. But let's see what happens. Let's see if he changes during this journey. So from over here, which is Antioch, he travels around, and he gets through this region right here called Galatia, right? And along the way, he meets a few, he goes to places like Iconium, Derby, Lystra. When he gets to Lystra, he meets a guy named Timothy, who is a half-Jew, half-Gentile Greek person, right? And he's like, I want to go with you on the trip. And Paul's like, all right, come along. And so they get to this point over here, and when he does, he sees that this area back then was called Asia. He says, I tried to go in there, but God wouldn't let me. And we don't know exactly what that means. So whatever he did, whatever it meant, Paul, next slide, he went around it by going north. Here we go. North and then to the west. And he comes here to a place called Troas. And then he gets to a place up here called Philippi. When he gets to Troas, he meets a guy named Luke. He's the author of this book, Acts. And he's like, I'm writing everything down. And he's also the guy who wrote the biography on Jesus, the book of Luke. And he's also a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And then he gets to Philippi, and then he meets a lady by the name of Lydia. And Lydia is a very, very powerful 
woman who is who does a lot of business between Asia Minor and and Europe, and he plants his first European church. And the first European church was the leadership of the first European church were all women, and I think that's really cool. So, but Lydia is also a Gentile. Okay, then we go from Philippi onto the next leg where he starts to head to the west a little bit more. Oh. We go to, there we go. And then he goes down south. He goes through Thessalonica. He goes down south. Down here we have a place called Athens, which you guys probably know. Then he turns to the west and he goes to a place called Corinth. And when he gets to Corinth, he meets two new people. We talked about these two people a few minutes ago. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila. These people are also Gentiles. They lived in Rome. They got kicked out because the Caesar at the time was kick, were kicking all the Jews out of the city. right? And they stayed there and worked together for one and a half years. And then, what we read today, Paul's like, it's time for me to leave. I'm going to get a haircut, and then I'm going to go to my next destination. And then Priscilla and Aquila are like, we want to come with you. Can you drop us off at Ephesus? So the next leg of the, of the trip, here we go, is when he gets on the boat, and then he goes all the way across to here, and that's where Ephesus is. Now, what's interesting about Ephesus is that this is in the region that God told him not to go into. Do you guys remember that? He wanted to go to Asia, and God's like, nope, not your time, not supposed to be here. So Paul's like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm just here to drop these guys off. But what we read in that story is interesting. He, Paul goes in, and he drops off Priscilla and Aquila, and he's like, I just got to go. I got to go to the synagogue and preach there. I just got to go. Maybe God will let me do it once. He steps into the synagogue and says he reasons with them, which is code for preaching. <laughs> he went in there, and he preached. And then people are like, can you please stay a few more days? He's like, no, I really got to go. God doesn't want me here. He gets in his boat, and then he completes this journey. Next slide. <clears throat> and he goes all the way down here, and I guess the wind conditions were weird because he kind of dips down, and then comes back up and goes here to Jerusalem. And after he's there, this tells what he does there. He goes all the way back up to where he started, and that's Antioch. Whew. That's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. I know that's a lot. Okay. But I want you to pay attention, and the reason why I, I spend a lot of time talking about who he met along the way is because I want you to see the role that these people played in his life. Okay, so remember, where we started was that Paul began his journey as a Jew for the Jews. By the time he ended his journey, Paul ended his journey as a multicultural Jew for all people. Did you guys catch that? He started off as, my focus is just to talk to a certain racial group, an ethnic identity. That's what I'm called to do. Because I'm a Jew, I can only speak to those people. But along the journey, God brought interesting people into, the, into his life. And by the time you finish this journey, he's like, I'm not the same person anymore. I used to thought, think that this was my calling, but now God has expanded that. Now I realize through my relationships that I have a heart, not just for the Jews, but I also have a heart for people who are not Jews people who don't look like me, people who have different skin color than me, people who speak different language than me, people who have different occupations, people who have different political views than me. I have a heart for all people now. I introduced this uh, scholar a few weeks ago. His name is Dr. Willie James Jennings. He's one of the top scholars on the book of Acts. This is what he says about Paul in this part of the journey. He says, Paul is seamlessly joining Jews and Gentile worlds. Seamlessly meaning he doesn't even have to think about it. When he's hanging out over here with the Jews, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, because he knows that they love the Old Testament. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, what are you doing? Oh, you're studying the book of Malachi. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Have you read the book of, of um, I, 
judges. That's pretty cool too. Hey, have you read the last chapter? That's pretty rated R, right? He knows how to talk to them. And when he comes over here to the Gentiles, the people who aren't Jews, he'll be like, hey, how's the marketplace going? Are you making money on those tents? Like he just knows without even thinking how to relate to people in different cultures. He wasn't like that when he started this journey. Over a time of like about two to three years, he's completely changed and he's changed for the better. And Dr. Jennings goes on. He says this. He does this, you know, by being multicultural. He does this by moving between worlds from Jerusalem to Antioch. Jerusalem is the epicenter of Judaism. Antioch at this point is the epicenter of Christianity. He goes between worlds from from Jerusalem to Antioch, from synagogue to Gentile homes, and from faithful Jews to God-fearing Gentiles and all those in between. He learned how to do this by interacting with different types of people. These people changed him. Then, he says, there is an in-between biracial character to Paul's life that we must never forget to note. This is one of the unique characteristics of Paul. This is what sets him off, sets him different, like unique. He's unique from everybody else that's in the New Testament because he is the one guy that's traveled throughout all these places and now he's embraced different cultures. He's not trying to say, your culture is different than mine. Let me change you so I can accept you. He's saying, I'm willing to embrace the differences we have. And because of that, I'm a better person for it. In other words, God was transforming Paul. And how did he do it? Through relationships. Through relationships. So let's take a look at how these relationships changed him and why God brought these people into his life. So if you look at this list right here, these are the names that I just told you in this trip. He's, he left, uh, when he left for his mission trip, he started with a partner. His name was Silas. He is a Jew from Jerusalem. Then he met Timothy, who is half Jew, half Gentile. Then he came to meet Luke, who is a complete Gentile, who has this passion of learning more about the Jewish culture. Then he met Lydia, who is a person who travels between Asia Minor to, um, to Europe, Philippi, back and forth. So she's very aware of different cultures. And then finally, he meets Priscilla and Aquila, this married couple who are both Gentiles and also makes tents. So they meet with other people who are interested in buying tents, right? So he is transformed. If you look at the whole thing here, oh, sorry, let's go back. There we go. If we look at the pattern here, we start from Jew and it slowly becomes more and more Gentile, right? He becomes more and more attuned to the way of the people who are not like him. But here's the beautiful thing about relationships, because relationships change us, right? Like I can tell you right now, for the over a decade, I should know, oh, it's going to be 13 years, 12 years. I always add one because I feel like, you know, eh. all right. (laughs) Um, We've been married for 12 years, and I'll tell you, I'm not the same person I was when I married her, you know, and in the same way, um, most of you, my interactions with you have definitely shaped me. When you guys have a complaint about something, I listen, and that changes me. When you guys are celebrating things, like, hey, Cods, I thought this was great. Or when you guys share with me news about, like, hey, did you hear the news? This is happening in this part of the world. It changes me a little bit. Trisha, when you send me those memes about Star Wars and the Mandalorian, it shapes me a little bit, okay? I, I, we all change because of relationships. We all change. But here's the beauty, beautiful thing about relationships, because you're probably thinking about the people in your life right now that has shaped you, right? But here's the beautiful thing about relationships. Relationships are a two-way street, which means that while you've been changing me, chances are, and whether you feel like to admit it or not, you've been changed by your interactions with me also. You might not notice it, but it has. 
maybe you learn to be more gracious towards people who talk for a very long time. I don't know. Maybe you're more patient now because of me. I, I don't know what I've done for you. Okay. But I want to show you what Paul has done for the people that he actually came across. Like these people changed Paul, but Paul also changed them. So I want to show you the next, yeah, let's go to the map. In this whole travel right here, remember he met people here, 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 here. And when he came to Corinth, he met Priscilla and Aquila. And he said, after being with them for a year and a half, they traveled to Ephesus, he dropped them off, and he finished his journey. Now, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he does something interesting here. After Paul finished his trip, Luke is like, let me move the camera back on Ephesus, and I want to show you what happened to Priscilla and Aquila. And he's like, I want to show you what being with Paul for a year and a half has done to them and what their interactions with different people are doing to the other people around them. So, so it's like this ripple. Paul did something for Priscilla and Aquila, and Priscilla and Aquila are now doing things for other people. So let's take a look at what Luke says about, I mean, what Luke says about this in Acts 18.24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, uh, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Okay, Alexandria is a university city. There's a huge library there. This is where all the smart people go, okay? So, like, you know, people go to UCLA. All right. <laughs> Somebody's, okay, anyways. <laughs> okay, so they meet a guy named Apollos. And he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. This guy knows his Old Testament really well. When they talk about scriptures in the New Testament, New Testament wasn't written yet, so they're always talking about the Old Testament. This guy knows his past, like all his passages. If you ask him a question, he's like, yes, I know that passage. I know that one from the book of Joel. I know that one from the book of uh, Ezekiel. I know that from Isaiah. Like he knows this stuff, right? And it says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Oh, we got to unpack this for a second. This person, Apollos, who we just met in the story, he seems to be traveling, and as he's walking around, he's telling people about Jesus. So he's a Jesus follower, but we never met him before. And as he's traveling around telling people about Jesus, Priscilla and Aquila overhears him talking. They meet for the first time in Ephesus. And as they're listening, they recognize that this guy knows a lot about Jesus. When it comes to the story of Jesus, they have everything down. Apollos got everything right. But they also realize that they got something, that Apollos got something wrong. And that is that it says down here, it says that he only knew, oh, sorry. It, go back one slide. Okay, it says he only knew the baptism of John. And we're talking about John the Baptist here. What does that mean? Okay, the, John, the, the baptism of John, and there's like a whole thing that I could talk about for like 15 minutes. So I'll just simplify it and tell you what it means. Baptism of John points back to the Moses story. Okay, and the Moses story is basically people who follow the Moses Mosaic laws, people who follow the 600 plus rules. And so Priscilla and Aquila are sitting there listening to Apollos talk and teach, and they're like, they got everything right about Jesus, but they got the whole thing about how to deal with the Old Testament rules. They got that part wrong. So as Apollos, he, oh, next slide, okay, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. It's like, Apollos, we just heard you speak. Amazing speaker you are. You got everything right about Jesus but we need to tell you something that you missed. This is what you missed. You've been telling people that they have to follow the Old Testament rules, that you have to get circumcised, that you have to um, have, go through a, cl a cleansing ritual before you enter into a place of worship. You have to do all these things, but let me tell you the full story. The full story is 
that you don't have to follow the Old Testament rules anymore. Yeah, anybody, including women, are free to come to Jesus now. Now, Luke throws in a little small interesting tidbit in what I just read right here. If you look over here, it says Priscilla and Aquila. In that culture, when you talk about a couple, you always put the husband's name first. But here, he puts Priscilla's name in first. And Luke is doing that on purpose to demonstrate like, that in this conversation, Priscilla was the one that was talking to Apollo, saying that you were wrong about this and wrong about that. And back then, women were not allowed to teach men, especially someone as smart as Apollo's. But Apollo sits down and listens and takes in everything that Priscilla is talking about because the very nature of the message that they're preaching is that now both men and women are equal. So it's kind of cool what Luke did here. But so Priscilla and Aquila are sitting there telling Apollos, Apollos, I know, I know you're on Team Jesus, but you need to know that at this point in history, all people are welcome to Jesus. You don't have to go through those rituals anymore. You don't have to follow those Old Testament rules anymore. And Apollos, he's like, wow, this is like good stuff. And when he discovers this, he's like, I need to spread this news because it's even better than I thought. So next verse, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, which is Corinth, so it's funny because they just came from Corinth and now Apollos wants to go to Corinth, so they're kind of crossing paths. The brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. Like, oh, you're going back to Corinth? We were just there for a year and a half. Here, I'm going to write a letter, take this, and they'll treat you well. So he goes, and when he arrived... He was, uh, he was a great help to those who, by grace, had believed. So he has a really good ministry there. Next verse. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents who were trying to shut them down in public debates, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, so this, there's a really interesting thing going on here. Paul traveled around the world, and he was being transformed into the person he became at the end of this journey. But along the way, he's imparting his knowledge to people he comes across. And that person, who is now in Ephesus, the, that couple now, is imparting that onto Apollos, who's going back to Corinth, and over there in Corinth, they're being changed. Do you see what's going on here? Your interactions with the people who are not like you is not just changing you. It's also changing the world around you, one person at a time, one influence at a time. God used relationships to transform Paul, right? But what we also know is that God used Paul to transform Priscilla and Aquila, who transformed Apollos, who transformed Corinth. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, when you get to the third chapter, well, by then you'll find out that Corinth is actually in really bad shape at that point. But at that point, you discover that, that Paul knows what Apollos has done in Corinth, and he's saying, guys, I know a lot of you guys are fans of me because I'm Paul and I started this church here. But I also know some of you guys are fans of Apollos. He's the one that made your church grow big, right? And he's like, please, but don't have allegiance to me or Apollos because we want you guys to have allegiance to Jesus. So it's really interesting that if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter that Paul wrote, that the issue that they were having was that Paul had too much influence there. But the fact here is that this is a domino effect. When you, when you go to work or when you go to school or when you go you know, meet with your family, Take the time to listen. Take the time to let them change you. Maybe God is speaking to you through those people who are not like you. But in doing so, they might be transforming. And as a re result of that, they might take that transformation and go somewhere and transform that community. And this is how God changes the world. 
it's a domino effect, and you know that's probably the right right term for this. But because our theme for this year is ripples, I want to say it's a ripple effect. That wherever we go, we are creating ripples for Jesus through people, through relationships, and in doing so, we are being transformed. So the question I have for you guys today, in closing, is this: Has God been transforming you? Yeah, yeah Ricky, awesome, good job. But has God been transforming all of you? Think about a time in your life, like maybe when I got married, or when I had kids, or when I started school, or when I quit that job, or when I, think about that one time in history of your life, and compare yourself to that person and say, am I different now? And if not, and you're like, it's been five years and I feel like I'm still the same person, then maybe this follow-up question is important for you. Have you been allowing others to speak into your life? Because we could have friends that are different than us. People say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I have Democrat friends. I have Republican friends. I have Libertarian friends. Like, oh, no, I'm not racist. I have Asian friends. I have black friends. I have, you know, Hispanic friends. I, I have friends, you know, right? We will say, yeah, we, but are you allowing them to speak to you? Are you listening to them? Are you allowing them to speak truth into your life? Oh, yeah, I have people who are five years older than me. I have friends who are way younger than me. I've noticed that for me, when I'm older, it's harder to receive advice from younger people because I feel like I know better than them. I've had more experience in my life. But I don't know if you guys know this, but for the past few months, Val and I, we've, we started doing youth ministry, and I've grown so much from listening to them about their opinions about certain issues that's happening in this world. We had a really good a discussion about abortion a few weeks ago, and that, was, that, that shaped me a little bit. Yes, I'm sure you guys have a lot of diff- people in your life that are different than you, but the question is, are you allowing them to speak into your life? Even the people you disagree with, even the people you're disgusted by, are you allowing them to speak into your life? Because in the midst of all the things that you don't like about that person, God might be trying to shape you. Maybe he's trying to teach you how to be more tolerant. Maybe he's teaching you how to be more patient. Maybe he's teaching you how to love people who are not like you. Or maybe he's teaching you that you've been wrong that maybe if you listen to more people who have been, bene- uh, uh, been victims of certain crimes in this world, you might have a more compassionate perspective about certain things. Are you allowing others to speak into your life? Because I'm convinced that Paul in this journey, he came across a lot of people who didn't look like him. Remember, he is a Jew. He does not, like for, for most of his life, he spent most of his life making sure that people who weren't like him were pushed out of his life. And but because of Jesus, his encounter with Jesus, he used to kill people who weren't like him. Remember, he used to kill people of the church? Okay, well, now he's in the church. He's like, I have to allow these different people to speak into my life. I am a Jew of Jews. I am the highest religious authority on the Judaism thing. And I'm letting people who don't know much about scripture to influence me. And in doing so, he's influencing the world through the people he comes in contact with. This is like one of the most beautiful things that God does through the church. So my question to you again is, are you allowing people who are different than you to speak into your life? Amen? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you.